If you're good at something, never do it for free. You're my older brother, and I love you. But don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. I bought you. <laughs> Welcome back. We are the Film Drifters. Our show provides film and TV reviews from two persons, I guess now, because it's not just guys, because <laughs> we have Kat on the show, but from two persons that make, watch, and love movies. I think we got to change our little catchphrase there. But anyway, I'm Myron, and joining me this week is Kat Loznikova. Welcome back to the show. Hey, Myron. What's up? Hey, good to have you back. Today, we're going to be reviewing two uh, parenting-heavy movies, I should say. Uh, the first is Come On, Come On, starring Joaquin Phoenix, and then the second movie we're going to be reviewing is the Lost Daughter, starring Olivia Coleman and directed by uh, writer, director, actor uh, extraordinaire Maggie Gyllenhaal. I thought she did a great job. But before we get to those things, Kat, I wanted to just see how you were doing. It's January. I see that you've been uh, flying around quite a bit, going off to Amsterdam. How is that city? Um, I have been traveling quite a bit um, and doing well. Thanks for mm. asking. Um, mm. Amsterdam is on a really crazy shutdown um they actually COVID? yeah oh. um there's crazy protests and to get the lockdown and curfew lifted and they just actually started reopening places as of the 25th or 26th okay so um i will be going there um next week for my birthday nice nice wait so how are you even able to fly into this country if there are lockdowns happening um, you are required to be fully vaccinated and present um, a negative COVID test. Okay. Um, upon arrival, they check everything. They ask you some questions like, what do you plan on doing? And my answer is usually be inside because that's the only thing you can yeah. do. <laughs> um, because honestly, there really isn't anything to do. And for a city that is usually super vibrant and exciting yeah. mm -hmm. and people are out, no one's out. No one was out. And, um, the city's like dead asleep until 10. Maybe a few people come out during the day and then the sun sets at four and then you're going to bed pretty much. So, yeah. But it's nice to just yeah. uh, get away from this sunshine Be there with in your, California. Uh, with your person <laughs> over there. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> okay. So, how's yeah. LA? <laughs> uh, uh, how's LA? You're in LA. I'm in LA now, in LA. but how's yeah. it been? <laughs> oh, how's it been for me in my life? You know, yeah. it's it's holidays just ended, thank God. Um, you know, two kids, two boys running around. One is uh turning one in February, the other one is almost four, so this is a very crazy time. Uh every day there's a lot of laughter, a lot of frustration, and uh at the end of the day, a lot of drinking. <laughs> at least on my part. Oh but, my uh, goodness! I hope you're not pouring them a glass just yet. Oh no and no I no no! To... I, I'm drinking. Yeah. I got you. They're not the ones drinking. <laughs> that would be bad parenting. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I cannot believe yeah. your youngest one's almost a year because yeah. I remember when um, we had to take a quick break because yeah. uh, your wife went into labor. Yeah, yeah. we we took a quick break and then we resumed and then took a long break. <laughs> yeah, remember correctly. It's so funny yeah, but uh, we, he took a break, a longer break over the summer instead ish. of when you just had. The baby. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny that you, uh, so, you know, we were talking about topics for, for this week, and you were the one that brought this up. You were like, we should do a parenting episode with uh, with these two movies, um, Come On, Come On and The Lost Daughter. And I was like, oh, boy. Like, this is going to drum up a lot of stuff for me, but I'll try to, to maintain my 
my objectivity here. But anyway, uh, on to the rundown, Cat. I'm going to hand things over to you. And also, I got Cootie on the camera. <laughs> Round fest right there. Me and Fest got to an argument in the car. Y'all felt like he disrespected me, man. Try to say I wasn't a genius yet. But who are you to call yourself a genius? They're doing documentary on me right here. Very rarely do you encounter self-contained people. This man can do everything himself. He living it. So he's like God saying, I'm about to hand you the world. Just know at any given time, I can take it away from you. All right, Myron, I have a question for you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Lay it on me. Uh, what are your thoughts on Kanye? Are you a you listener? Mean yay? Are you mean yay? Oh gosh, so many rebrandings. <laughs> are you a fan? I, am I a fan? I've, I've always been a fan. Like I don't care what he says, what he does. I will always be a fan because, in my opinion, he has one of his albums at least is on my top five, like all time. And I don't which think album? My beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Okay. That that thing is just amazing. Um, so I will always be a fan, and I think he's a genius. Okay. Well, yes. great segue because okay. um, his three-part docu series mm. called Genius okay. just premiered um, at Sundance mm -hmm, on mm -hmm. January twenty-third. So six hours ish of stuff. Do you know? Uh, only part one premiered. Okay. And he is still demanding final edits and approvals on what comes to Netflix on um, February 16th. Okay. However, in a very rare case that almost never happens, Netflix is allowing for part one to be released in theaters a week before its next Netflix debut. So I want to know, have you heard anything about it? Do you think it will come out when it's supposed to come out? And uh, just let me know your thoughts. I saw the trailer. I had not heard about it until you sent it over to me. And I was fascinated from the get-go. Here's the thing, though, is like, uh, obviously, a lot of it is like, you know, they make it look like it was filmed, you know, throughout the course of his life. It's like, did he film all this knowing that what he was knowing that one day he would be amazing and great and that uh you know he'll need all this content to make a documentary i feel like he was literally thinking those things but uh it's cool i mean from what i saw just seeing him when he's young um and some just like cocky kid that you know probably not everyone believed in just yet to see him in his element um at least from what i saw in the trailer it looked fascinating um i don't know if Personally, there's enough content there for three full, like, two-hour movies. It was a lot like, for me, the Beatles documentary on Disney+. Have you seen that one? I have not yet because, and I guess we'll talk about this in a yep. little bit. Mm -hmm. There are just so many music yeah. documentaries out right now um, that it's almost 
impossible for me to catch up and process yeah. each artist um, separately. It's almost mm -hmm. like an overload of listening to someone's albums, but so many different genres yeah. at the same time. Yeah, you know, uh, so that one in particular, there was way too many episodes in my opinion. It was fascinating, but I mean, I, I don't want to watch like 10 hours with, with the same band as fascinating as the subject matter might be. Uh, so I, I would be very interesting if all three episodes are able to hold someone's attention, but I'm definitely interested so um i guess this brings me to my next point. okay okay what you got okay so music and um musician documentaries have become a very big business opportunity mm -hmm. for theaters and um streaming um it is bring they're bringing in a lot a lot of money okay uh, let me just throw some numbers at you and then Great. we can discuss so back in 2009 the michael jackson doc brought this in this is it right uh is it, this is it yeah 261 million okay justin bieber 99 million in 2011. um apple paid 26 million for the billy eilish Ooh. um documentary okay. and amazon is paying 25 million for the upcoming rihanna film there are so many uh, artists, music, like musician documentaries out in, on all streaming platforms, mm. anything from Taylor Swift to Travis Scott to Gaga. Mm -hmm. Is it, what are your thoughts? Is it really a huge business opportunity and that's that? Or do we need this intimate look into these artists' life? Is this something that belongs in theaters? What is happening with this blend of film and music industry? Um, I don't know. I, I was never taken by it. Um, and I personally, when I get interested into, into watching, you know, something like this, or if I turn it on, I'm always bored by like 40, 45 minutes. And I rarely finish them, to be honest with you. And I'm a huge music guy. I love music. But um, it's like, yeah, if you're going to get me to a theater, uh, you, you're going to have to... Show me some acting, some stage value. I don't want to see a shaky camera following a bunch of people around, personally. That's just my take, though. In a documentary, or have you seen any um, like concerts that were filmed for a theater release? Hmm. I don't Would you go see, if you haven't seen um, like a concert on a screen in a the movie theater? Hmm. I don't think I would. I would just probably play it behind me over here. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I would. Would you? Um, I actually have mm -hmm. once. Mm -hmm. uh, my all-time favorite band in the world is The Cure. And um, in 2018, they played their uh, 40th anniversary show at the Hyde Park in London. And I was planning on going to see it. And unfortunately, due to work schedule, I couldn't make it. And um, it just so happened that in secret, uh, they recorded the show and then released it later. And that was the concert I went to see in, in the theater. And it's not at all like, like a real life performance because I have seen them live. Yeah. And watching them perform their songs, even if they're beautifully shot, you're sitting in the theater and you want to like get up and like yeah. dance and sing along and you can't. And it's almost like torture because this is my all time favorite band. I love all of their songs. 
and I'm like restricted, unable to even enjoy the music. Yeah. So yes, maybe it's like uh, something that you put on in the background as a fan, but I don't think concerts like that belong in theaters. They belong on a stage. Yeah, yeah. I have to agree with you 100%. All right, switching gears. Um, have you seen the craziest news out there and again no one's talking about it hmm. but um there's a new film studio that is scheduled to be built in space by 2024 yeah and i will be referencing the variety article which to me is the wildest thing hmm. when you first told me about this i was like what the hell but then as i read it i was like yeah, it actually makes sense, right? Because like people are constantly pouring money to try to be the first to go to space. At some point, people are going to need to monetize this thing, right? And uh, I mean, I remember when I would watch like documentaries on the making of like Apollo thirteen and these movies that take place in space. And what they said they would do, and you know, maybe you're familiar with this, is uh, they would take the actors inside of like a gigantic plane, and inside of the plane there would be like a build set, and then they would fly really high and then just drop. Right. And the reason they would do that is to simulate zero G's and to mm -hmm. make it look like they're floating around. And then they would film during those times whenever the actors are like, you know, in a scene where they're supposed to be floating around. And, you know, all the actors, they, they took to calling that plane the Vomit Comet. And it's like, why would you, you know, need to do that if there was just a place where everyone can just work in space? I know that sounds ridiculous, but it was like, it is ridiculous, but it's like, kind of makes sense right because you know so, movies take place in space yeah they do take place in space mm -hmm. a lot of them have but apparently only mm -hmm. one has been filmed and it just ended production i think in last november and it was some russian crew that sent its actors into the uh into this um uh, to the space station to film it which i guess really bummed tom cruise out because he was hoping oh, to be the first. the first actor in space uh for his upcoming film what i find really interesting and fascinating about this is that um, the module is intended to host films television music and sports events um and allow artists and producers and creatives who want to make content and zero gravity to just be able to go out there and make it happen what do you think the wait list will be for it and who do you think will have priority or is it just a money thing i have no idea how it even works i know people have like just normal celebrities have already gone to space so i i guess it's not like dangerous and anymore but yeah I, I think it's perfect for like tv shows and, and film um I mean, music videos, sure, but it seems like those budgets have been dropping quite a bit, especially lately. So, yeah, I mean, sporting events, I have no idea how that would work. I think they just maybe threw that in there as a part of the <laughs> announcement to list off one more thing that could be shot there. But, yeah, I, I highly doubt that happening. Uh, but I would love the idea of seeing movies taking place in space, filmed in space. I think there would be an authenticity to that. That would be interesting. I, I have no idea how the camera rigging uh, is going to work, how the crews are going to work how they're going to eat or or just sleep. I think, it, is there like a hotel there? Are they floating around in the hotel? Like, I have no idea, but I'm definitely interested. 
Okay. I think well, this is happening. This is not a joke. Yeah. It's happening yeah. in two years. Yeah. So um, maybe we should find out how to record an episode at yeah. this uh, at yeah. this uh, space station. Can you look into that? Yes, sure. <laughs> awesome. We, we yeah, we could live stream from space. That would be interesting. See you there in two years. Yeah, let's do it. All right, that was our rundown. Thank you very much for getting those items ready to talk about Cat. We're going to take a short break, and we're going to come right back with our review of the film. Come on, come on, stay tuned. To visit planet Earth, you will have to be born as a human child. At first, you will have to learn to use your new body to move your arms and legs. You will learn to walk and run, to use your hands, to make sounds and form words. There will be so much for you to learn and so much for you to feel. Sadness, joy, disappointment, and wonder. You will grow up, travel, and work. Over the years, you will try to make sense of that happy, sad, full, always shifting life you are in. And when the time comes to return to your star, it may be hard to say goodbye to that strangely beautiful world. Damn this book. You're crying. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. You're definitely crap. Say you're crap. <laughs> that was a look at the trailer for the film Come On, Come On, starring Joaquin Phoenix, straight off of his Best Actor Academy Award win. In this film, he plays Johnny. Uh, his sister asks him to look after her son. Uh, he's a radio journalist, and he embarks on a cross-country trip with his energetic nephew to show him life away from Los Angeles. That is a very simple explanation for what this movie actually is. Um, you know, you actually said we should watch this movie. I had only heard about it, but I was curious. So uh, with that being said, I wanted to ask you first, what was your uh, thoughts about this film? I loved it. Six mm. minutes into it, I knew I was watching something special yeah. and I just turned all of my devices off and had to just focus in on what I was seeing which as you describe it's a very simple way of saying you know what the story is about but really it is just that and it's very pure and it's emotional and it's human and it's real and very authentic um, even though I cannot relate to raising a child, being an aunt, um, there were parts in this film that anyone being a human being mm -hmm. in this world can relate to. Yeah. Um, start to finish, um, it's very well-paced, although some people I can see how maybe they would find it a little slow, but for me, um, it was quiet and patient and every single moment paid off to mm -hmm. the point that after watching the credits roll, I just wanted to sit in silence and process everything that I saw because the themes, although the story is pretty 
straightforward, um, right. like, like we just discussed. Um, the topics in it are so, and the themes are so heavy. Um, it has to deal with past and future, mm -hmm. the black and the white. The whole film is in black and white, but it's right. not just the lack of color in the movie that makes you focus in on the contrast yeah. of the black and the white and the grayscale in in that um mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's about remembering and forgetting uh the young and the old um whereas you know we're witnessing jesse interact with johnny young and old and then johnny interact with his mother who is older you know it's generations it's i mean it transcends time mm -hmm. And all around, it was just a perfect, perfect film for me. Yeah, I mean, um, so, you know, in the trailer and even on, like, the movie poster, it's very obvious that it's about, oh, it's this guy, and he's kind of a father figure to his nephew. But then, you know, you don't actually start with that. You start with, um, you know, brother talking to his sister after a long break, after a year. We see them fighting, um, you know, the, the typical type of fight that I would really see between a brother and sister. I mean, I have a sister. Um, and then we see uh, them both struggling over the loss of their mother. And uh, we are we are met firsthand uh, with just how they had different relationships with their mom and also um, how they wanted to address her when she was uh, dying, how they wanted to address their own feelings. So right away, you're setting a context that this is not just about uh, a guy and his nephew, but rather about, like you said, family as a whole uh, in general. And then because of, of, of that type of broadness of topic, it's really about all of us, I feel like. It's the connection between us and what makes us who we are and what makes us family. Um, this movie was so deep. I feel like I, I had to like literally pause every time a kid said something genius and I just wanted to like soak that in, write it down, be like, whoa, that's, can we just take a pause here just to, to let that sink in? I wanted to do, to do that over and over and over again. Um, that there is that whole aspect of it, of what I was referring to. So Joaquin Phoenix, he, he I guess, is like an NPR type a show producer and he's tasked with creating a, a show about or some sort of uh, audio documentary on the youth of America, on what they love, on what they fear and what they see for their future. And of course, uh, as he's doing this, he's also tasked with watching his nephew. I think that felt slightly contrived. The fact that, you know, he's talking to kids and then also dealing with his own kid and, you know, at the same time, I fell for it completely on, on you know on my first watch because you know they were so organic to each other and it didn't feel forced at all. So I just kind of accepted it, I, I guess you could say. Let me ask you something though. You talked about the black and the white. Um, for me, if it was in color, it wouldn't it would have hit differently. But I can't necessarily put my finger on why it works so well. Do you have an idea on why it had to be black and white? Yeah, I absolutely do. So this is a road trip movie. You know, right. they travel city to city and mm -hmm. it's so easy to get lost in the vibrancy of mm. LA and New yeah. York and New Orleans and Chicago and all these urban cities. Um, it didn't need to be in color because yeah. um, it, the, I think it would make us focus more on the landscape rather than the relationships that we're watching. So muting the color out and making it black and white, mm. we focus more on the humanity okay. and the people and the conversations and the dialogue that they're having because 
Um, like my, I think one of my favorite scenes is um, the one in New Orleans Park at the end. Yeah. That is so simple. Yes. That is so simple. It's just them dealing with their emotions and saying how I'm not okay with it. And then they're just like, at the end, screaming. And, you know, seeing that in color would have, I don't think it would have felt yeah. the same. But in black and white, there's just purity on that emotion. And I absolutely love that. Absolutely love the choice of going black and white because it honestly just, I think, adds to the intensity of the performances. Right. Right. I agree. Uh, another thing I really loved are there was these moments where uh, it would just cut to a montage. It could be it could have been flashbacks. Personally, I hate it when a movie uses flashbacks to give you exposition that you need in order to understand the movie. Now, what this movie did, and I think The Lost Daughter did it as well, is the flashbacks are purely meant to give you emotional context without fully giving you the answers that you could be looking for. And in this case, I thought it, that's what made it so much more special. I mean, we do learn about uh, you know Jesse's uh, father who has a mental illness, and we see how he you know struggled with that. Um, we see flashbacks of um, Johnny and his sister and uh, how they were dealing with uh, their mother passing. And uh, I mean, we it is filling in details for us. So I guess there is some you know expository purpose to that, but it never felt that way. It felt like we were in these people's heads as they are just thinking and how a moment in time now would lead them to remember something that happened in the past. And it felt so organic. And whenever we they would have these montages, there would be some eloquent like quote or a poem or just something that just made it so powerful. And like, yeah, I, I just can't get over how disarming this movie was. I feel like in the it could have played towards melodrama if the actors weren't good or if the director wasn't skilled. But he walked that fine line of, you know, just actors being emotional and you know, the subject matter could have been very on the nose, like kids talking about their future, but it never ever felt that way. And uh, I, I think as the closer you can walk towards that line of, of you know it being too much drama without it becoming too much drama the more yeah. powerful a movie can be and this movie really walked that line well and i think a lot of the purity of that comes from the conversations with the kids um that johnny is interviewing yeah. Yeah. and none of those were scripted uh those yeah. were completely pure 100 percent real interactions the kids who took you know participated in the um in these interviews they didn't know they were being filmed for a movie yeah. or that Joaquin was Joaquin Phoenix was going to be the one interviewing them they just showed up and they were you know we watched what happened they were asked questions and i think being having lived a good portion of our lives at this point hearing these kids talk about the future and what scares them really, really took a toll on me because I understand this is the next generation and they are worried about what we are leaving behind as our footprint and that worries them. Whereas I remember being a child and feeling the same way and realizing that our generation hasn't really improved um, the world around us and mm. instead made it worse. Yeah. 
is very is very alarming. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a little depressing. Um, yeah, I, I also want to just maybe mention a couple of more moments that I really enjoyed. Please, uh, I would love to hear them. The first is, uh, you know, the when um, you know we see uh, Joaquin Phoenix's character. He is um, helping his mom, who obviously has dementia. And she is like saying, oh, I need to go out. I need to, I believe she was saying, I need to go get my license. I need to go to the DMV. And yeah, then, she's saying uh, her dad is coming to take her to the DMV. Yeah. And then uh, Joaquin Phoenix is scared of Johnny. is like, okay, well, you know, let's let's go, you know. And then he would entertain her imagination. And then his sister would get so angry at her. Like, why are you doing this? How could you entertain her? You're not making it better, yada, yada, yada. And then later on, one of the first things we see is, uh, you know, Johnny's sister, uh, Viv, who is basically doing the same thing for her son, who is entertaining this notion that uh, this pretend play that he's an orphan that comes to visit and, uh, you know, is asking her all these questions. And I believe, she, like, you know, uh, Jesse is playing an orphan who is asking questions, thinking that this place that he's visiting is haunted or something like that. But uh, it, it was just funny, the hypocrisies that we have, why we are okay with doing one thing in one context and not in another. And it made it so much more human because I think we all do the same thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I too have sisters and I'm sure, you know, when our, we get older and our mom gets older too, it's going to be the same. One of us is probably going to want to deal with it one way and another one another. And that's just part of life. And it was almost like a mirror reflecting everything that's going on around us every mm -hmm. day. It's like, it's, you know, it's going to happen. And this is, you know, this is how it might play out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the other thing ahead. that I've really loved is just like, uh, so many times we see children in a movie where, uh, they serve a plot purpose or something revolves around them having to do or act a certain way to elicit a response. Um, you we're talking like, you know, I see dead people, you know, horror movies where it's all about the, the demonic kid or, um, Belfast, I love the kid, but he w was also very much a plot point. This movie is really plotless. I mean, there is a plot, of course, but it's not based around people, you know, doing something in order for the next big thing to happen. So we very much just live in these characters' lives, and we live with this child uh, who just is, did an amazing job. Woody Norman is his name. And uh, he is just acting not for the purpose of the movie or to propel the plot forward, but just living in the character, acting opposite, in my opinion, the best actor working today, and he's holding his own. And I, I thought that was an amazing thing. Um, he and Joaquin were also told to impress. Like, they were, you know, given lines in a script, but the director was like, also, if when you can improvise and be in the moment. And I think that is very palpable when you're watching yeah. a film like that. I have to tell you, one of my favorite moments is probably when Joaquin Phoenix tells him, um, I mean, I guess Johnny tells Jesse that you are going to forget this moment, mm -hmm. but I'm going to remember. And I mean, that just really hits mm -hmm. because you know, um, adults do remember probably a lot more than children about their childhood. But yeah. then Jesse is going to remember moments about Johnny that he probably won't. And it's just, I don't know, that that was beautiful to me. Yeah. Just, 
that's how life is. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, it's like I had a lump in my throat the entire movie. Yeah. And, and I, I'm not quite sure. There was no big emotional outburst type of moment. But the honesty was just there the entire time. And I think because of that, it, it speaks to the human condition and of hope and of just what connects us all. And uh, it does it in a very poetic way, in a very special way. So, yeah, I, I, I love the film. Is there anything else that you wanted to address about this movie? Um, I guess I just want to underline mm -hmm. that it's not... I mean, we watch movies all the time, and not often does a movie come along in which you can watch the characters, like, learn and progress throughout in such a quiet but beautiful way. And in the end, um, you kind of realize that you learned and progressed with them as well that you were almost like a character in it but more of like an observer you were like a, an observer of what was happening but you were experiencing what mm -hmm. they were and along with them I mean I definitely walked away having learned something and you know progressed in my life by taking a look mm -hmm. at some of um, I, I mean, in my head, I was answering some of the questions that Johnny was um, asking the kids and that like really also put a mirror to myself. So I think um, in that under two hour run of the film, um, I think I grew as a person. Yeah, too. I think so, too. I, I, I definitely did. All right. Final reviews of this film out of five stars. What do you give this movie? Five. Solid five. Um, it's I mean... I'm just shocked that it's so underrated. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do we think, um, w because it was, it had a very limited release. It's yeah. not wi widely advertised. Um, do we think um, there's going to be an Oscar um, nom in any categories for it? Uh, I know uh, Woody Norman got a, a Critics' Choice nomination for Best Young Actor. Okay. Um, going against, you know, like the, the Belfast kid and uh, a few other young actors. I'm so just calling that this whole time. The <laughs> I know. But uh, I, I think he's got an outside shot at like a Best Supporting Actor nomination. Other than that, I, I don't think the movie got enough press to, to get more, uh, you know, awards notice. But uh, I hope it does. I hope it does. It's funny how Joaquin Phoenix literally went from the Joker <laughs> to this quiet, just kind of gray-haired, single lonely quiet soft-spoken overweight uncle it's crazy you know he's amazing yeah. and um i think um i read somewhere i think he really wanted to do this film um because i guess he became a father and mm -hmm. the subject matter is so close to him now that he really wanted to be a part a part of that yeah yeah um, I give it five stars as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's the only five-star movie I I've seen uh, all year, to be honest. It just hit differently than anything I've seen this year. Um, it pulled at your emotions without trying too hard. And uh, the performances were just so amazing. And there was so much honesty. They nailed it in terms of how a kid acts. And, uh, you know... I, I think it just resonated with me too, because you know I, I have two boys, and you know I, I'm someone who has a sister like he he has, and then uh, and we both lost our mom um, as well, and we struggled, we dealt with that back in the day. So all of it just hit very close to home, and it, it resonated with, it, wow. with me deeply. But it, it's still a very good movie. Like I said, if I had to nitpick, it's just the 
you know, the fact that it felt so contrived that he's making a documentary about kids talking about their future and is now forced to look after his nephew, you know, and how all that kind of his job basically makes the movie what it is. And it's such a specific job. My only nitpick, but uh, it doesn't affect the fact that I give it a five for sure. Yep, so uh, come on, come on. Uh, I saw it on Apple. Is that how you saw it? Uh, yep. Yeah, $20 well spent. Yep. $20 well spent. Uh, you all can rent it for $19.99 on Apple iTunes, and I'm sure you can watch it on any of the other major streaming services. Please check it out. If you have an option to go to the theater and watch, I don't know, whatever other movies are out, or to stay home and watch this, please watch this. All right, we're going to take a short break and come back with a review of The Lost Daughter. Stay tuned. Miss Caruso, welcome. Thank you. Excuse me, I work at the beach house. Just let me know if you need anything. Great. Yes, I have two daughters. Hey, your mommy's a girl. You're my big girl. <sighs> She's driving me crazy. What were your daughters like when they were little? I can't remember much actually. I saw you at the beach today. I didn't see you. I saw you. The little girl lost her doll. She wouldn't stop crying. Children are a crushing responsibility. Happy birthday. back that was a trailer for the lost daughter written and directed by maggie gyllenhaal starring olivia coleman and dakota johnson here's a quick summary the movie is about a woman's beach vacation it takes a dark turn when she begins to confront the troubles of her past that also is a very vague description of what actually happens in this movie and uh i want to tell you that watching it i was a little disgusted and in a dark place by the actions that these characters took 
And、um, it put me in a not so happy, very unnerved headspace. And I didn't like the movie at first because of that. But the more I thought about it, it's because the movie hits certain chords within me. The, 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 the dark, what I like to say is the dark side of parenting. When you pull the curtain back and behind all the happiness and the laughter, the, there are these moments of, of darkness. And, and I would love to get into that a little bit later, but I wanted to hear from you first, Kat. What was your response to this movie? I loved it. Okay. <laughs> for the honesty that it does provide. I, of course, have, and I'll nitpick it、um, once we get to it, but as a whole, I thought it was a very complex character led story about a very honest, maybe not so flattering part of motherhood. I'm not a mother. And there are moments in this film that have actually reminded me why I haven't had children yet.、Um, I am a daughter. So a lot of the chords were, you know, seeing the mother daughter's relationship in this film also reminded me of my own relationship with my mother. But as far as movies go, or any television, motherhood is praised, it's this beautiful thing. Oh my goodness, mother, 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 have a child, beautiful. But no one talks about the dark side of it. And I don't even want to call it the dark side of it. It's just the reality of a human being, a woman,、um, giving birth to another human being, and then having to put their own life and live for someone else. And In certain ways, that can be、uh, called selfishness.、Um, and that part is never discussed or talked about as openly and as so raw as this movie underlines it. Yeah.、Uh, so let's, let's talk about this a little bit.、Uh, okay. Let's do it. So let's, as a parent,、um, you're asked to unconditionally love someone that. Hits you, <laughs> that screams at you, that says, I hate you, that pees on you, poos on you, throws up on you, takes your sleep, takes your money. <laughs> and they sometimes don't even say thank you. And sometimes, no matter, even after all that, they end up, you know, rebelling and, and doing crazy bad things. Now, we're told that we are supposed to love them unconditionally. And if we, anything less than that, we are bad people, right? And so we hide it. And that's what we, Kind of, you know, like we we're talking about, you, we're not allowed to talk about this dark side of parenting, right? This movie, like, just dives into it just head on. And it made me feel very uncomfortable. Spoiler alert here. We're going to talk a little bit about what happens.、Um, Olivia Coleman's character,、uh, she is someone that、uh, in her younger days had an affair, left her two girls for three years, and eventually went back because she felt guilty. That's just. Awful, right? But at the same time, it's awful yet understandable in some sense because I feel like sometimes that transition for, from living for yourself and living to someone else, for some people it's easy, for some people it's hard. For the people that it's hard, a lot of times what they do is they keep a part of themselves for themselves 
And then they protect that in order to say, have some sense of individuality. And then all the other parts of their life they give to their children. But that can become toxic because now all of a sudden you're becoming two people, right? One that lives for yourself, that protects something for yourself. And then one person that gives the rest of it away to your family and your kids and stuff. And I think that's exactly what happened with Olivia Coleman's character, Alita. Like, I don't think she regretted having this affair whatsoever. Not she at all. And not only that, um, I have to say, she was very young when she had her yeah. two kids. And yeah. she was asked to, you know... Uh, maybe back in the day, it was fine to get married that young and play adults and not have your, um, you know, 20s or early 30s or ha whatever, however old you want it to be to live a life. And not only like we can say whatever we want about, oh, no, she left her two daughters for three years. Um, she didn't leave them to like party and rage and if she wanted to I guess she could have done that too whatever um, I'm not judging her wouldn't judge her for that um, but she became a very successful writer yeah and someone who was very respected in her industry and as women um, well I guess less now than th back then uh, we are expected to put everything on hold to just yeah. raise kids and be mothers whenever that happens for those who of us who can actually have kids so for her to have been so brilliant at her job and something that she loved and was very good at all of a sudden she has to pause it and you know raise these kids who are hers obviously and who she loves but at the same time she can love her career too and yeah want to do that i just can't believe she loved her kids for three years and went back because she missed them that's just so selfish you know but at the same time i don't judge her i mean i judged her in the movie i was like you're you're a horrible person and that scene when he took when she took uh, her her daughter's doll and just threw it out the window i was like damn but at the same time the more i thought about that i mean i've had these conversations with with my friends where you know you don't talk about it with other people but it's like i'll be like Oh damn! I feel so terrible. I yelled at Miles for this. Uh, you know, he was like scared, and they're like, "Bro, do you know what we did last week? I yelled at him for this, or you know, we did this, we did this." I was like, "Damn!" You know, and it's like we all do these things that we regret because we just literally lose our shit and and go insane. I feel like until we're able to kind of come back to earth. But, but also, uh, like, yeah. um, if someone told you today that you are going to have a stranger come live in your home, someone that you don't know, and they're just going to live with you and eat and distract you and, you know, and scream and wake you up, you'd probably say, no, 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 not interested. But in reality, that is what having a child is. You're welcoming a stranger <laughs> who you've never met. Yeah, you made it. It's your DNA. But you don't know what kind of a person it's going to be. And they're just going to live with you. And pull you away from this life that you've just been living and building yeah. for yourself and all of your goals since you were a child that you're trying to achieve are now going to be paused in favor of making sure that this other human yeah. being is safe and sound. Yeah. So, well, all this to say that like, you know, I don't like what she did, but I don't dislike her as a character. I don't think we're supposed to like her or hate her 
I think we're I think supposed we're to not just... supposed to like any of the characters yeah, in the film, to true. be honest. Yeah. Um, even the little girl, and it's not her fault. Um, it's just the way this movie shines light on motherhood and what mothers do to their children, um, and especially their daughters, is is just so on point because we see how uh, Lita, Olivia Coleman's character sees a part of herself in uh, Nina, Dakota Johnson's character. And then we see a part of Nina in Elena, who is uh, Dakota Johnson's daughter, and the way the little girl now treats the doll. So it's this like chain link, of, like one, it's like a domino effect. And we see how like this little girl who has this like quote unquote maternal instinct that she is learning from her mother. And then she is now abusing this little doll too it's like okay uh it's just it's just generational it's gonna continue to happen like we can't like if we're looking at this little girl and be like oh she's just playing with her dolls like how can we judge olivia coleman's character because she's just what older now let's talk about some plot elements here because like we kind of mentioned earlier um the movie doesn't give you a lot of concrete reasons as to why a certain character does something the plot is extremely simple uh, Lita, played by Olivia Coleman, goes to like a vacation re- slash resort. Uh, she sees a family, a dysfunctional family. Um, you know, the wife is Dakota Johnson. They have a daughter. Uh, they lose the daughter, and Lita helps find the daughter. Um, the daughter is still missing her doll. Turns out Lita took the doll. Right? We know we're not really told why she took the doll. I, I believe later she says it was just for fun. Well, and, uh, I have you, a yeah. theory okay. why she took the doll, and because. This film is so heavy with symbolism and metaphors mm. that it's almost like once you start pulling up one string, more come undone in this massive sweater that is the lost daughter. But um, simply put, the doll is Lita's take on motherhood. Whenever she feels like she's up for it, she is going to play with it, shop for a new outfit, clean it up. Whenever she's bored or is annoyed with it, she puts it in the cupboard or leaves it on the patio and just expects that this man, um, uh, you know, who is the caretaker of the place where she's staying, the young just one? won't. Or no, Ed Harris, no, 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 Ed, Ed Harris. Ed Harris' yeah, Harris character. I yeah. don't remember his name. But that when he comes in, that he just won't notice it. That, like, for this, she just hopes that he won't notice this doll yeah. or her children and that's exactly what happens in her life that she just hopes that this professor that she he was a professor right yeah yeah Peter uh, Sarsgaard yeah that she just ends up having an affair with just will overlook her having daughters yeah so throughout the film that doll is just for me at least I perceived it as Lita's take on motherhood okay okay I, I, I'm with you on that I, I can definitely buy that let me ask you something yeah. else so we mentioned that uh, Lita has this this stolen doll. Ed Harris, who is the caretaker, Lyle, walks in, sees the doll, and then uh, Lita just thinks you know, he's not going to make a big deal about it. Shortly thereafter, Lita seems to think that everyone is staring at her as if everyone knows she took it or they're questioning. Do you think that Ed Harris's character told them all, or do you think no. she was just being paranoid? I think she was just being paranoid yeah. because okay. like, she knows she had you know done something wrong and or not something wrong. Like she, she was just pretending that the doll didn't exist and he just went along with it. I don't think he like ratted her out or anything like okay. that. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah, I think he just went along with let's pretend it's not there. Like, I'll right. let you have your whatever it right. is you're doing and not get involved because that family seemed like part of the mafia or something. Yeah. I don't know. He was just like, I'm not going to be a part of this. Um, there was a couple of uh, quotes that I thought was very real and at the same time very alarming. Um, there was one scene where Dakota Johnson's character, Nina, is, is at Olivia Coleman's place. And, uh, you know, Nina is basically saying how motherhood isn't what she thought it would be. Uh, and she feels like, like depressed. And mm -hmm. then uh, they're having conversation about that. And I think Lita tells her, oh, don't worry, it gets better. But then Lita tells the truth. And she says, to be honest, it never gets better. It never goes away. That feeling. I'm just like, damn, that sucks. It's kind of I mean, true. That's the part of the film that is so like it's so uncomfortable. But then once you sit in that discomfort, you realize, no, that yeah. is the truth. That is something that we don't talk about. Yeah. You know, that yeah. it's it's there. Everyone, you know, we all have felt it, but because now someone has said it. It's like it's now being acknowledged. I remember what I was going to ask you, and yes. I, I want to get your feedback on this. Um, uh, Lita is see, seems to be a character that doesn't feel guilt over anything. Um, the desire to have the affair was selfish. The desire to come back was selfish. She says, I miss the kids. She steals the, the doll. Um, but yet throughout the movie, she has these flashbacks to her life. Uh, which seem to be motivated by guilt, but at the same time, none of her actions paint, you know, the, the story of a guilty woman. Do you think she felt guilt at all for anything that she ever did in her life? And is that what's spurring on these flashbacks or is it something else? I do think that she has this perspective now maybe because she's older and wiser and her daughters have grown up that maybe that she did mess up by leaving them behind you know maybe and, <laughs> and then like now she's like stealing this doll and maybe now that she's had her like little fun she's gonna give it back i do feel that she probably does because she is such a complex character but because she's so complex, it's a lot more layer than, oh, I feel remorseful because she does come back for her daughters after yeah. the three years. Yeah. So, of course, she missed them or, you know, she felt guilty. But I think with her as a character, it's a lot more than just that one feeling. She's not just driven by one thing. And I think she's a lot more intelligent than just one feeling and, you know, those actions because maybe she does have an affair or steal a doll or leave her kids on an impulse of a feeling. Mm -hmm. uh, but then it's, it becomes more than that. For her, it's more than just that. Hmm. If um, I'm making any sense, I know yeah. I'm like oh, I'm rambling on, but it's like, because she's so layered, I think her feelings of remorse or guilt are also layered. Yeah, it's not just purely that though. It's probably a, totally. a sandwich of just emotions. Totally. <laughs> like we um, all are. Yeah. Exactly. Like maybe she did miss her daughters over the three years, and then probably had a fight with you know her with Skarsgård. Yeah. yeah. And she was like, "I just this sucks. Okay, I'll go back." I yeah. mean, who knows what yeah. could have led to it? But that's exactly what would happen with any of us. Yeah. 
and the freaking Dakota <laughs> Johnson just straight up stabs her. I'm like, whoa, come on. That's, I know we were watching that kind of movie here, but okay. Um, do you think Flesh wound. Uh-huh. Um, on the topic of Dakota Johnson, yeah. the entire time I was watching this, I was like, you are unrecognizable. Like, I, I yeah. couldn't believe that was her. Yeah. And I truly think that was a role that Jennifer Lawrence would have been so perfect in. Yeah, I like, agree. The entire time I was like, this is a role for Jennifer Lawrence. How is this not her? I mean, yeah. maybe she was, you know, pregnant or something. Yeah. I, I thought she was really good. You know, um, she made that what big splash. She was in the social network and then made that big splash in Fifty Shades. But then the, the content of Fifty Shades and what the movie was about and all that stuff kind of overtook it. But I think she's a very good actress. I think she was great in this too. She um, was good, but I couldn't, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just couldn't stop thinking of like, Jennifer this Lawrence. is Jennifer Lawrence. This yeah. is a role for Jennifer Lawrence. This like little unhinged mother, which Jennifer Lawrence has done in the past, yeah. I guess. Yeah. American Hustle. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, did anything make this film bad for you? What didn't you like about it? You know, well, I told you I, I didn't mm-hmm. receive the film well because first, of then... the characters, but I realized that there's a genius to the filmmaking and, and, a, and a reality to it. To be honest with you, I can't really say that something didn't work in this movie because everything was technically done well. I, I would say even the plot and you know, the scenes and the structure was better laid out than Come On, Come On. But um, there is a certain level of emotional resonance that this didn't have, maybe because I personally tried to detach myself from the material to try to keep some level of sanity and not go too dark into those, those dark places. Right. But, um, no, I can't say I didn't like anything, but it just, it was, it's weird to say that a movie about a woman that goes to, uh, you know, on vacation, sees a family, rescues a daughter, has a few flashbacks to, to say that's dark, but this might really well be one of the most unnerving movies I have seen in a very long time. <laughs> I'm talking, I've seen, I've seen a lot of like really scary <laughs> yeah. horror movies, but this one sits really weirdly in me and has since I've seen it. But yeah, so I can't say I there's anything wrong with it. I know you said um, you liked Maggie Gyllenhaal as a director of this. For yeah. me, that was not what I liked about it. I oh. actually think there was too much of this eccentric Maggie that she is in this film. And mm-hmm. I thought there were scenes where um, Olivia Coleman looked just like Maggie. And I'm just like, this is very, mm-hmm. I don't know. I felt like it was just too Maggie Gyllenhaal as absurd as mm-hmm. it sounds. No, it makes sense. Um, you know, you know what I mean though? Yeah. Um, so I think that's probably my one negative with it and then when i say i liked her filmmaking uh, i have to say that i like the fact that first off i think uh, only a mother could have directed this type of movie uh in the way that she did and at the same time she wasn't scared to just dive right into the shit and just like start wading through it and try to say all right what are we going to find what are we going to find uh, there was a courage to it that that I did like, but I do also recognize what you're saying. And you know, come to think of it, yeah, I, I that's definitely something that that wasn't as good. Cool. Yeah. Um, I had one more question. I guess without 
we can't discuss the ending without spoiling it. So I let's think I kind of did. No, but let's give like the... a spoiler, big spoiler okay. warning for All the right. ending right. because I need to ask you. Okay, spoiler alert. Go for spoiler it. Spoiler alert. Is she dead? Ooh. I asked myself that question too, but there is really nothing in either case that makes the movie better or worse or ends it on a more complete note or less complete note, whether she was alive or she's dead. Okay. Because she, she just so talked to her daughters on the phone, right? But then, okay. So, so what happens, you know, she gets into this car crash, stumbles on the beach, and then in the morning wakes up from, she has this wound. We don't know if it's like how deep or deathly it is, but we know she, uh, I guess, survives a car crash and has this wound and ends up on the beach, right? Wakes up in the morning with these waves crashing onto her, calls her daughters, has a pleasant conversation, and is peeling an orange. Yeah. Where did the orange come, come from? from? So that's the big thing. And because it's based on the book, um, there's what and it it is, it does follow the plot line of the book very closely, but the big changes in the ending is when um, she talks to her daughters, and in the book, they ask her like where she's been and if she's alive. And oh, she's okay. And she says in the book, she says, I'm okay, but oh no, she says, I'm dead, but I'm okay. But in the movie, they changed the dead part to alive. And she says, I'm alive and I'm okay. And then they start peeling an orange. Uh Does that change anything for you? Like knowing that? It doesn't change anything for me. Much like the way anything either. Like the the, the top spinning in in Inception. Like, Like, I don't care if it keep spinning or if it stops you know for me this what this movie was complete with the way it is and if there's any question mark so be it but yeah it doesn't change it for me yeah so i walked away from it thinking that you know she's alive and maybe that orange is just some like not hallucination but almost her rebirth at a connection with her daughters because they just keep peeling that orange and maybe you know she comes back you know better or something i mean who knows uh but to me i just felt like she's okay like she's okay um and it's only later through conversation with other people about the movie that it was brought to my attention that maybe Mm. she died Mm. so now did everyone else that you talked about this film do they like it yes yes Yes. okay yes and um the people i did talk to about it are girls Okay. And um, they do not have children. (laughs) (laughs) This was a very depressing like weekend for me because, you know, I went to Orlando for work and then I loaded up my my, uh, iPad with uh, Power of the Dog, um, with uh, The Lost Daughter and with a movie called uh, Passing, which has to to do with African-American women Mm -hmm. passing as Caucasian women. I should have downloaded like a comedy in there or something, but all three of those movies were just so damn heavy. Yeah. Okay. Well, take a breather and then watch Mass. Yeah. And then we can talk oh, about that boy. one. Oh, boy. Yeah. All right. So what do you give this movie? I think I'm giving this four and a half. Okay. Just because of the Maggie Gyllenhaal of it all. I did enjoy the subject matter. I did enjoy cinematography. I mean, I liked all of it. Except I, Olivia Coleman is just so brilliant. We don't need to say that. I mean, she's, you know, Oscar, multi-Emmy uh, actress. And 
her performance carries the film 100%. Um, but the Maggie Gyllenhaal of it all, just how present she's in it, um, drops it like half a star for me. Got it. Got it. You? Right. What's your... I, I, I give it four. Um, like I said, the filmmaking is great. Um, the movie's good. I, I just have a hard time. I, I, it's bad to take a star off the movie because it just doesn't sit well with you, but that's what I'm doing. Uh, that that first watch was just a freaking like grind for me. It was it was not a fun watch. I, I and you know that I, I go I try to escape. I, I don't want to bury myself in, into this kind of stuff. But looking back, like I said, I did realize this, this was a, a very good film. So I give it a four stars. Okay. Yeah. All right, so before we close, a little bit of a surprise. I, I mentioned that I wanted to do Ooh, something like this. I love a surprise. Now, I probably need some help coming up with a better name, but I told you I wanted to do a little uh, a little thing on our show, a, a recurring segment called Lament, Rent, or Movie Going Event. Now, I'm going to name some movies off for you, and I just want to hear from your perspective. Is it a lament? Like, why the hell are they making this movie? Is it a rent? Meaning, eh, we'll see what people say. Maybe I'll catch up with it later. Or is it a movie-going event? So I'm going to name some like movies theater, here. Like theater, full-on yes. popcorn. Okay. You got it. You Not got a it. matinee. Okay, yeah. cool. And, you know, it could be, I mean, given like, you know, Kanye's documentaries coming to Netflix, it could still be a movie-going event figuratively or metaphorically, you know, if okay. you really want to watch it. All right. Let's so, do it. In 2022, there is a movie coming out called The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Played the character played by Nicolas Cage. He's playing Nicolas Cage. And uh, he becomes a CIA informant to take down one of his fans. Okay. I'm yes. completely passing on this. Really? Uh, major lament. What, what's up for you? I am of rent for this one. If the reviews are good, uh, I am going to watch it. I mean, I feel like he's coming back. He's, he's got it. That, that, that magic, you know, that he had in the nineties is, is coming back with pig. He still does way too much garbage. <laughs> like, you know, Nick Cage being Nick Cage, but yeah, this, this is, I think playing off of that. So I, I am, I'm a rent. I'm tossing on Nikki C. Nikki C. All right. There's a movie called Nope. Uh, written and directed by Jordan Peele. And, uh, this stars Daniel Kaluuya, Kiki Palmer and Steve Yoon. Very little is known about it, but it's a horror flick. And uh, the movie poster has a very dark cloud in the sky. That is all that we know about it. It's called Nope. Jordan Peele. Lament, I rent, like I like the event. title. It sits well with me. <laughs> so I'm going to rent it. Uh, just to rent. Okay. Just gotcha, to rent. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I, I would have to see reviews. Just one dark cloud. Sure. I just I like the title, so it's a maybe for me. What's it for you? This one is a rent as well. Cool. Actually, if the reviews are good, I am a huge Jordan Peele fan. Us is an incredible movie, but you, you got to give me something a little more than 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 what what they're giving me. Um, yeah. Next movie, I, I I'll have two more movies on the list here. And then Av maybe I'll ask you one of yes, mine. Yes. Yeah. Avatar two. Lament, oh, rent, lament. or movie going. Event. I'm not an avatar kind of gal. Did you? you no, know, you can't. You, no, you say things like that. It. You say, like, I'm not a comic book girl. I'm not a blockbuster girl. But have you seen Avatar 1? Here's the thing 
I know myself and I'm an overachiever. And when I get into something, I really commit. So I committed to Harry Potter. It took many years out of my life and it's still like taking up space in my brain. So committing to like a comic or some sort of fantasy, like I'm going to lose my mind. Like my brain is going to explode. I committed to uh, Game of Thrones. I couldn't do Lord of the Rings. Like, so committing to maybe one comic universe I could do because of Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. So maybe like that whole universe, I'll dip a toe in. But God, Avatar, no, I didn't watch it back then. I don't care because I know it's going to take a lot of my time. Okay. All right. Fair does enough. That, fair enough. But, I, but I asked you the question, You did Did you watch part one? So the answer is no. No, then, right? I did not watch part one. Do not want to because I have a feeling it's going to take so much of me. And I'm... Uh, I just, I can't, I cannot give up any more of my time right. to fantasy. La- last movie. You. From, Wait, oh, you oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Avatar 2. Oh, absolutely. Movie going event. Absolutely. Really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Give me the glasses. Give me the biggest screen you can find. I, I went on the Avatar ride with Will when we were in Orlando. Amazing. Amazing. And okay. I am pumped up. I'm jazzed for this one. Yeah. Do you think I would like it? I just. the It's a spectacle and uh, I don't under well i'm trying to say this carefully here if you watch it in the right circumstances in the right context i don't see how you cannot like it but it has to be the big screen and it's got to be with like the 3d glasses yeah i don't think i'm into that like i don't you know for me for a film to have to be such like you have to like x y and z like Count me out. I okay. think a film should be a good standalone. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. My last movie for you, Lament, Rent, or Movie Going Event, is The Batman starring Rob Pattinson. That was going to be my last one yes. for you. It's okay. a movie going event. Absolutely. Are you kidding? Full show. Is that because you like Batman? Because I know you hate comic books. Is it because you I like don't... Batman or you like Rob or Pat? I cannot wait to see zoe kravitz uh, okay as a cat woman okay i mean she's i mean she's gonna be brilliant but i will tell you why when the teaser came out last year it had an acoustic soundtrack of a nirvana song and i just thought it was such a brilliant juxtaposition with what was gonna come like we didn't even know what was coming it was just the acoustic this like uh, nirvana track and it was just like the joker like question marks yeah and i was hooked and then i saw the trailer and i was like say no more this is something i will go see so yeah. i guess this does tie in with the joker universe right yeah joker i is think so uh are you, did you like the other batman movies or at least the christian bale ones was Maggie Gyllenhaal in that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, the Heath Ledger <laughs> one. You, tell, you got you, you have okay. to see the one Ledger there. Heath Ledger one. I loved, and I absolutely loved Joaquin's Joker. But he's yeah. not part of that universe. I know they made yeah. that as a standalone, not part um, of that multi-universe. What's it called? Multiverse universe. I don't, I don't know. know what they call it anymore. Yeah, but it's not part of it. So it's like a standalone. Um, 
I'll what was Brad? No, not Brad Pitt. Ben Ben Affleck played mm -hmm. Batman, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Don't care. Mm -hmm. So I think that's when I checked out, maybe. Okay. But um, I think um, I did see the Heath Ledger one, and it was great. And I can't wait to see um, this one, All right. which is weird. And I think it's just because the Nirvana song sucked me in. Maybe visuals are getting better. I don't know, but something about this trailer really, really like solidified it for me. So yeah, movie going events for me. Three hours long. That's what they're clocking in at. Three hours. I mean, long. I sat through Dune. I, I'll sit through this for sure, unless it's like a bust. I do have a feeling that it'll start off slow and then pick up. Yeah. Almost like Wonder Woman part yeah. one. I'm sure there's gonna be like a crazy like banger opener, kind of slow, yeah. and then. So I I love Robert Pattinson, and I've been trying to get people to buy in on him for a long time, and no one would believe me. I remember one of the first guys that was like, "Myron, you 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 you're you're dumb. Like you don't know what you're talking about." Is Will? I was like, "No, our Pat is legit. Yeah, <laughs> like you don't know what you're talking about." He's like, "No, Edward Cullen, no, no." I was like, "Go watch a Good Time," <laughs> and t and then you're gonna take it all back. He watched. He's like. Okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah, oh you've seen God. Good Time, right? Good Time's the, uh, the no. bomb. No? I just remember when I first moved to LA like 10 uh -huh. years ago. Okay. I remember people telling me stories that he was living in one of like, one of those like cheap rentals with some roommates in like WeHo and like some <laughs> like, which is so funny because that was like after um, Twilight had come out. And uh -huh. I was like, wow, like, He's really living in like, on like in like a, a dumpy apartment in WeHo with some roommates. No, I read the same thing. Uh, it was a GQ article, and he said he eats hot pockets all day and just lives with his homies in an apartment. <laughs> I, I think it's okay. He's doing. So it's true. It's, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Apparently. Okay. Well, yeah. hopefully, maybe this new Batman will pay some bills for him. Yes. yes. He can get out <laughs> of that dumpy upgrade. apartment. He can get a studio. Yeah. By yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. All right, everybody, that was our episode. Uh, we will be back next week. John and I will be reviewing West Side Story, and we will be talking through our top five songs from movies of all time. That's a weird phrase, and I'm sure I got little phrases out of place there. But basically, it's going to be fun. Uh, these are our rules for next week. Uh, no Disney songs, and uh, the song must have been written for the movie. So if it was written for a stage play and they made a movie of that stage play, that would not apply here. But anyway, uh, that's the rules for next week's top five. West Side Story as well. See you then. Until then, stay safe. <laughs>